Hello and thank you for tuning in to Mum Talk, hosted by myself, Emma Jolin, mum to Amandine, who was born in September 2018. If you are new here on this podcast, I share my journey as a mum from pregnancy to life with a baby, now toddler, sharing all the highs and all the lows. Not only am I joined by incredibly knowledgeable guests, some experts in their field, but also mums and dads sharing their experience of pregnancy and parenthood. As always, you can trust in mum talk to be honest real and informative and provide plenty of nod along and me too moments wherever you may be thank you for listening and enjoy being part of today's conversation if you've listened for a while you'll know i am a big fan of baby sleep bags and use them for both amandine and elwood i'm delighted to be working with perflow on this very special episode Perflow are a British brand who have been developing baby sleep products for over 20 years. They use clever design and cutting edge technology to make baby sleep bags and an array of products that help babies to sleep better and safely. Perflow are launching a new type of breathable, lightweight baby sleep bag for hot nights. At the rate Elwood is growing, I'll be putting him in his in no time. It'll be perfect for keeping him cool and comfortable, and I'll tell you more about them later on. And I have a special discount code just for Mum Talk listeners. Hello, and welcome to a sneaky little episode of Mum Talk. I thought I would throw in a bonus episode before Series 10 starts, which I'm really excited about, and it's coming very, very soon and share my birth story. I feel like I'm forgetting it a little bit, so I wanted to jump on here and share as much as I possibly can with you all in as much detail as my brain will let me remember. Now, first things first, if you can hear a Darth Vader, (laughs) that's my baby, that's Elwood, um, and he is on me. I have to say, this is a little bit harder than I thought. With Amandine, (laughs) I could literally just record the podcast, feed her, she'd sleep, I'd feed her again, she'd sleep again. She was the easiest baby, I think, that ever walked this planet, possibly. Elwood is a total different ballgame. He has serious FOMO and never wants to sleep, will only sleep on me, so I think I'm getting some serious back muscles going on (laughs) because he is just always, always on me, which is exhausting. Um... Although at night he is amazing and he sleeps really well. But anyway, that's for next series. But if you can hear him, it's him. (laughs) If you can hear a funny breathing noise, it's him. So I'm sorry if that interrupts your listening, but there's nothing I can do about it, I'm afraid. He is attached to me. That's the only way these podcasts are going to get recorded for the foreseeable future. Hendrik has very kindly taken Amandine out to um, our local park which is really great. He's been amazing with her. Again, that's for another series. This one, I'm going to focus on the birth story. So I'll start things off with my first sweep because I had quite a, oh, I'd heard quite a lot of um, feedback on sweeps about how they can be really painful or uncomfortable. I really think it depends. It's really personal. Um, but I wouldn't let it discourage you from having one. Everyone's story is so different. Again, with birth, if we listen to everyone's birth story, it's highly unlikely anyone would have children. Um, but my first sweep was totally fine. I didn't find it, I found it uncomfortable, yes, but it wasn't a big deal. Um, My midwife came over, we went upstairs, they were a little bit reluctant to give me a sweep because I hadn't yet hit my first sweep. I think I was 40 
I, I'd literally hit my due date. Um, and I think they weren't keen on giving me one until I was 41 weeks. I think that's kind of the unwritten rule. Anyway, when my midwife came over, she said she checked with the consultant because I was so low risk. He was happy for her to go ahead and do a sweep. So she did a sweep. It was totally fine. We lay down on the bed upstairs with a few towels underneath just in case I bled. She did the sweep, which probably lasted a few minutes. Um, I could feel quite a lot of pressure and, you know, she was really great. She was talking me through everything. Um, and the reason I went for a sweep was he was getting really, really heavy and I was getting really quite uncomfortable. And I also didn't want to get to the point where I got to 41 weeks. She gave me one sweep. You then have to wait two or three days until the next one, um, I'm told. And then I'd be getting more and more and more over my due date. And considering when he was born, he was 10 pounds. Can you imagine if I'd waited another one or two weeks? Can you imagine? Um, he would have been really rather, really rather big. Um, and no one was expecting it. So I'm really happy that my gut instinct just said, right, we need to get this baby out because clearly we needed to get this baby out. Otherwise he was going to do some serious, serious growing. Um, so first sweep didn't work. I had some niggles after the first sweep where, um, I felt some kind of tightenings, more like intense Braxton Hicks type feelings. Um, I went for a walk, did all the kind of normal stuff, stayed active, had a bit of a bloody show. So my midwife left saying, you know, I, I kind of hope to see you this evening. Anyway, that all died off after about a couple of hours of niggles. They went away um, and normal business resumed. Then three days later, so I had, let me just check this. Yeah, I had it on the 18th and then I had it on the 21st, my next sweep on the 21st. So a different midwife came over, which actually luckily for me was the first appointment that I'd ever had with a different midwife. Um, and I was incredibly lucky to have the midwife I had with Amandine had moved on to the home birth service. So she was doing all of my home birth appointments and the luxury of home birth is you do get most of your appointments at home or you do down here anyway. So um, I had a lovely, lovely lady come over. She was really sweet um, and she did all of the normal checks and she offered me a second sweep. Um, so this one we did downstairs on the couch because everybody else was sleeping upstairs, Amandine and Hendrik, and I didn't want to disturb them. So we did it downstairs. Um, and this one again was actually less uncomfortable than the first sweep that I had, but I think maybe that's because I knew what to expect. So I was less, um, tense down there so I could relax a little bit more. She definitely went at it for quite a while. Um, and I'm sure that's what did it because, I mean, she just has magic fingers, but she was there for quite some time and she left saying you have a really responsive cervix, I think was what she said. Um, she didn't give me too much hope. Uh, she didn't give too much away and she just left basically saying, text me if you, if this works, I'm the on-call midwife this evening, text me directly, you don't need to ring triage at the hospital, um, because I know where you are, I know what I've done, blah, blah, blah. So call me. So that was at one o'clock, and in the morning, I'm just going to backtrack a minute, in the morning I met my mum at um, Exmouth Beach. It was howling, a howling gale, 
I think it was like 40 mile an hour winds or something ridiculous. We shouldn't probably have been there. Um, and it was pouring with rain. And I said to my mum, I just want to get out. I want to walk. I'm trying to get this baby out. Let's just go for a walk before the sweep. If the sweep works, then it will be a little while until I can get out for a blustery walk. So my mum met me. She had actually just had her um, vaccine, so she wasn't feeling particularly brilliant either. Um, so we just kept it quite short, but we walked in the sand, which is quite hard work, for about 40 minutes into the wind, um, <laughs> which was really intense. And then we just sat and had a little bit of a chat. Um, and then I rushed back for the midwife because I was going to be really late, changed my clothes because I was soaking wet, and then she knocked on the door. Um, so it was all quite intense the morning was all quite intense um and then about 3 30 so my sweep was at one about 3 30 again I started to feel exactly the same as what I'd felt with the first sweep so little bit of intense Braxton Hicks and tightenings and but nothing to make me think I was in labor and I kept I kept quiet I didn't say anything to Hendrick I didn't say anything at all nothing was taking my breath away at this point um, I wasn't needing to pause or stop what I was doing. I was just aware of that, you know, things were going on. Um, and then at 4.30, I mentioned to Hendrik that I'd been having these niggles for about the last hour. Um, it's possible that this is it, but I'm also really, uh, it's also really possible that this is going to change and I am going to just reverse like it did last time and it stop. So I don't want you to do anything. I'm just letting you know that it's possible. Then about 15 minutes later, I started to kind of think, are these regular? I'm not sure. Are these, are these getting more intense and more regular? Because they started to make me stop in my tracks a little bit. Um, and I started to kind of need to pause when I was speaking to Amandine and just take a big deep breath. So I whipped out the Freya app that was on my phone, um, and just started to gradually kind of click the button when I thought it was a surge slash contraction, um, and realized quite quickly that they were very, very regular. So I text the midwife who said to text her, and sent her a screenshot and that's what I have to say is that's what I found most useful with the Freya app is that I could send what was happening over to the midwife so I could I didn't have to do any math so I didn't have to say it's happening every two minutes or whatever and lasting for 40 seconds or whatever I literally could just send her a screenshot and if anything I would say that's what it's worthwhile for if you're having a home birth when the midwife arrived I didn't use Freya at all what was happening was happening so I didn't feel like I needed to let anybody know or you know same as when you go into hospital you probably stop using the Freya app um, because you don't really need to know what's going on um and Anyway, I text the midwife. She said, oh, that looks good. Um, I'm just going to go to the hospital, grab all the kit, and then I will start making my way to you. It's probably going to take me about an hour to get to you. Um, so I thought, okay, brilliant. No worries. Amandine's TV time kind of starts around 5 o'clock because her dinner's at 5.30, so she has half an hour of TV time. So we popped her in front of the TV. Hendrik kept saying, shall I fill the pool? Shall I fill the pool? But in my head, <laughs> I was thinking, don't fill the pool because... If you put the liner in and then you use the hose and you fill the pool, then and and it's a, a no-go and this reverses itself, then we're going to have to get all of that stuff all over again and it's going to cost money and, 
you know, it's just going to be annoying <laughs> to get all of that stuff again. So don't fill the pool until we absolutely know this is happening. Now, in my head, really, the midwife saying she was going to get the kit probably should have twigged that this was actually happening. But for some reason, my mind was just telling me, no, this isn't it. This isn't it. This just definitely isn't it. So <laughs> Amandine was happy. I don't think she really knew what was going on. Um, she had been really tired that day anyway, um, and she was just more than happy watching her TV. Midwife then texts me back, um, oh, meanwhile, actually, whilst all of this was going on, we had just found out that, this is why it was such an intense day, actually, we just found out as well that our flights to France to go and see Hendrik's parents finally had been cancelled because it was still on the amber list. So <laughs> Hendrik was obviously really upset and he was kind of freaking out about how are we going to get to France and, you know, he hasn't seen his parents for over a year, his dad isn't very well, um, so it really is imperative that we get our little tushies out there to go and see his parents. Um, so we just found out they'd been cancelled and also um, we had, oh no, yeah, what? sorry, one of them had been cancelled and the return was to a different airport um, so we had a bit of an issue with car rental and doing car rental stuff. We found out that, uh, in July, cause we'd booked this so long ago to hire a car just for one day to make an amends to the flight. Cause we'd have to fly out a day earlier. It was going to cost us over a thousand pounds for one day. Ridiculous. So whilst in labor, I thought it was a great idea to call Ava's car rental and ask them, what the fees would be for going to a different airport, dropping, relocating, getting another car, did they have one available, yada yada yada. Anyway, I don't think the guy on the phone knew I was in labour and I managed quite well, I just had to pause and take a deep breath for a moment, but it was quite funny. Um, anyway, so after all of that, I text the midwife again, or she texts me, sorry, about half past five saying, how are you getting on? Um, are things still progressing or have they slowed down? Anyway, text her back with another screenshot saying, nope, not stopped. And she then texts back saying, I'm very much on my way. So she arrived at about six o'clock um, and again, everything was fine. She met Amandine. Um, we sat in the kitchen for a while because the garage conversion is where the birth took place. I kind of described it in previous podcasts, but um, we essentially have a converted half of a double garage converted into a bedroom and a bathroom, uh, which is where Hendrik stays when he's working. And we cleared all of that out and put a birthing pool in there from the Gentle Birthing Company. Um, and what else did we put in there? A mattress, single mattress um, and lights. And there's a little table in there, like a mini little desk in there and candles and tarpaulins and all that kind of stuff and towels and things for the baby. Um, so that was all set up. Anyway, oh, I forgot, sorry. Just before, when the midwife texted at 5.30 saying she's very much on her way, Hendrik started filling the pool because he was like, this is ridiculous. If the midwife thinks it's okay to come out, then you're in labour. You need to, we need to fill the pool. So we started filling up the pool. Took a little while, um, mainly because I think we had, you know, there's 15 metres of hose to get to our garage. And that takes a while for the water to travel through and then into the pool. And it has to do a bit of a up through the window and down again the other side. Um, so it took quite a while. Uh, and so we were very much feeling the pool when she arrived. She got her computer out, did all of the notes and stuff. She was timing the contractions. She 
was very much listening to my noises. I could tell she was listening to my noises and she was listening to the heartbeat of the baby uh, every now and again and just checking in. I feel really bad because I don't think we offered her tea or coffee or water or anything, but I kind of feel like because it was, you know, late afternoon, early evening, she'd already been at home, she'd been, you know, she was probably well fed and watered. It's not like it was the middle of the night and she'd just rolled out of bed to come and deliver the baby. <laughs> we had biscuits and teas and everything ready in the um, garage for the midwives, but I was actually the one that ended up eating them because, again, everyone had just had their dinner, so <laughs> uh, no one wanted biscuit. I did, though. Anyway, um, so, yeah, midwife was there at six. Um, Amandine then had a little bit of something to eat, and I think because Hendrik was, you know, busy doing the pool... I was busy labouring, midwife was doing what she was doing. I think Amandine ended up with yoghurt and Rice Krispies and raspberries or something, which is her favourite, so totally fine. <laughs> um, and we... Uh, yeah, Amandine asked to go up to bed at 6.30. So Hendrik took her up and I went up as well to go and um, say goodnight. I had to pause halfway up the stairs whilst I had a contraction and then keep going, go into her room, say goodnight. As I was leaving, I had another contraction, so I had to hold on to the side of her bed and just turn away and just pretend I was just standing there, um, which was totally fine. And then went back downstairs and the midwife said, right, I think we should go across to the other room. And I was like, really? We're going to be in there for ages. Like, I've only really been in labour for an hour or two. This is... Um, this is a bit early. Anyway, she was like, no, we should go across before you can't go across anymore. So let's go across. Like any new parent, during Amaldine's first couple of years, I had to figure out how to dress her to sleep every time the seasons changed. Lots of mums worry about whether their baby's too hot or too cold and how that will affect their sleep. Not to mention that overheating is a major risk factor for SIDS. There's been a bit of a heat wave here recently and as we're approaching summer, I'm facing it all again with Elwood. Perflow's new lightweight baby sleep bags are specially designed for hot nights. Using the breathable technology that Perflow are renowned for, they have created a super soft and airy sleeping bag with breathable panels on the sides and neck. Babies settle to sleep more easily when they have familiar sleep cues around them, so being able to use a baby sleep bag even on the hottest nights helps to keep a good routine going. The Perflow baby sleep bags also have travel openings so that you can use them with a harness in the car seat or buggy and transfer your sleeping baby from there to the cot without waking them. So go to Perflow to see the collection. It's www.perflow.com. That's P-U-R-F-L-O. Went across and I just remember from my last labour with Amandine not peeing for ages for like 10 hours I probably didn't pee for and then when they did ask me to pee I really struggled um so I was like right when I go into the garage I'm going to go for a pee before I get in the pool and just make sure I can do a pee first before getting in the pool so I did that I went to the bathroom I took my clothes off I had numerous contractions whilst I was doing that so it took me quite a while to go to the loo then I kind of couldn't leave the bathroom. It really escalated very, very quickly the minute I got into the garage. I don't know whether my body just relaxed because Amandine was in bed or whether I felt, I don't know, I don't really know mentally, but I feel like mentally something happened there and there was definitely a bit of a transition into the next phase. So I was holding the side of the um, table in the, in the loo that our sink sits on 
um, and just having contractions waited. The pool was still filling up at this point. Um, and actually Hendrik had bought a shower hose extender to also get more water coming into the pool from the shower if we needed to kind of ramp up the goings on. And so he fixed that and started filling up the pool with that as well um, to get the temperature right too. And then it was a bit too warm, so we had to cool it down. Anyway, all of this was going on whilst I was having my contractions. Um, and then I would say probably at about seven yeah probably no earlier than seven I think it was seven um I got in the pool my pee was successful not sure if I said that but yeah my pee was successful I got in the pool and literally one surge contraction later my waters broke I just felt this pressure and then I felt this pop and after kind of my body had calmed down I was able to say to the midwives oh my waters just went I just felt them go um, and then I would say probably two contractions later, no more than that actually, probably ten or so minutes later, five, ten minutes later, it was all very quick so I'm not entirely sure, uh, my body definitely went through that transition phase of feeling like you can't do it and that's how I knew I was going into the next stage because just before Hendrik walked in the room, I said to the midwives, they said, how are you doing? And I said, I've got to the point where I feel like I can't do this. And I knew myself, and this, I guess, comes with the luxury of having a child already. I knew myself that this phase was me transitioning to the next level. Uh, the next, yeah, the next level of labour, I guess. And I just had the mantra in my head the whole time going you can do this, you can do this, you want this baby so badly, you asked for the sweep, you wanted him out, you can do this, you can do this, this is going to be fine, it's going to be fine, you're okay. And actually, for some reason, I didn't do that with my first um, labour with Amandine. I think because I didn't know what was happening, but because I knew what was going to happen this time around or so, I thought, um, I just was comfortably believing I was able to believe that mantra it's kind of like when you go for a run and you're like I know I'm near the end I know I'm near the end and you knew you know it's going to finish <laughs> well that's me running anyway um so yeah uh Hendrik then came in the room and I remember <laughs> crying because he said he wasn't going to come in um and I just said to him it's okay you don't have to be here you can go and I remember crying being like it's really hard for you, I know it's really hard for you, you can leave, It's you don't have to be here, it's fine, Like I'm totally fine with you not being here. And my midwife just said to me, Emma, focus on labour, stop focusing on Hendrik, he'll leave if he needs to leave. That's <laughs> quite funny. Um, and then I said my body needs to push, and my body started to um, push. Oh gosh, we've got a little gremlin starting to wake up. Let me finish. I'm talking about you. Um, so yeah, I started to push. Um, and then I definitely felt the ring of fire as his head started to come out. So his head, I think his head birthed at 7.22. So the I was on all fours at this point. I was leaning over the seat on the seat side of the birth pool. Um... And actually, I found the height of the birth pool, because it's inflatable. I found the inflatable pool so much more comfy than the hard one in the hospital with Amandine. I really felt quite bruised from the hard one, and I had grazes on my toes where I'd been on my knee knees in the hard one. But the 
the luxury of having an inflatable is they're so soft and so padded and you can kind of hang your body over the side which I found really nice and they've got handles you can hold on to which again I found really really good um so sorry if you can hear tapping I'm tapping his bottom to try and keep him asleep um so I then put uh yeah so sorry the the head of the of Elwood then came out but only to just above his eyebrows and apparently when that happens the midwives were saying that they can generally tell that he's a big boy and he might get a little bit stuck um because apparently it's normally a contraction the whole head comes out anyway only half to the brow line came out then the next contraction we got him to the chin um and then they said right you need to roll over onto your back um so I did and tried a contraction from there nothing happened so this is where it kind of got a little bit scary because that's when they said right on scary slash exciting um but exciting in the non-exciting way so then I remember the midwife the lead midwife who essentially is the midwife who comes to you first so it wasn't my midwife the lead midwife said to me uh, right Emma you need to listen to exactly what I'm going to say it's very important that you do that no more gas and air you can, uh, can you stand up? So I stood up, put one foot on the side of the pool, tried a contraction there, nothing. And they were obviously telling me to push, like it wasn't, we weren't really waiting for contractions at this point, we were just like literally trying to push him out, um, which was really difficult because I just, I didn't feel like I could feel any pushing muscles happening. But when I spoke to my midwife afterwards, she very much said, you were pushing and we could see that you were pushing. You just might not have been able to feel it because of all of the um, adrenaline. So, and I think it's probably quite difficult when you've got a 10 pound head um, and body between your legs. Then, this was really difficult. I had to get out of the pool. I don't really remember it. And I had to get down onto the mattress. Now, I really feel like I sat on his head, but apparently I didn't. <laughs> but that's just, I'm sure, the feeling of having a baby half out of your body. I mean, literally, when I stood up out of the pool, his head was hanging from my vagina. Um, and yeah, it was really weird and it was really uncomfortable and it was just a weird, weird, weird-ass feeling. It wasn't painful. None of this was painful, really. It was just a weird feeling. Um... So <laughs> Hendrik at this point, when I ha before I'd stood up out of the pool, um, the midwives told Hendrik to call an ambulance. So he didn't actually have to see the head hanging between my legs, which I think is a good thing, a very, very good thing, um, because I think that would have distressed him a lot. Anyway, he ran across to the house because we don't have any signal in the garage. He then couldn't get any signal on his phone. He didn't think to use the house phone. He called the ambulance. He's never really done it before. So they were asking lots of, in his mind, stupid questions. Um, <laughs> like, where is your wife? <laughs> That's not a stupid question. But he he was like, the garage. <laughs> and I think they got a bit confused by that. Anyway, um, so he called the midwife. But meanwhile, whilst he was outside calling the midwife, and I'm pleased that he missed all of this, um... We got onto the mattress, I sat. I, I had literally my knees up around my ears, uh, the midwife then had to insert her fingers essentially, and yes, this was painful, and hook her fingers round one of the shoulders, uh, one of the arms, and pull his arm out first, and then essentially superman his body out. Now, because he was in quite a bit of shock, 
Um, they lay him down beside me, and the first thing that I think they saw was that he had a true knot in his cord, which is really rare. It means that Elwood would have had to do a full... He had to essentially knot his cord and do a full turn in my belly to knot his cord like that. Um, you know, if you try, try and imagine a baby swimming a knot into their cord. They have to go up and over the cord, in through the hole. Like, it's really rare to do that. Anyway, he had that, a true knot in his cord, very, very close to his, um, essentially, belly button, close to his body. And because of all the birth, it tightened. Um, so he wasn't getting what he needed, essentially. So, unfortunately, they had to cut the cord um, very, very quickly, which... <laughs> made the garage look a bit like a murder scene because they cut it as it was obviously pulsating but it wasn't going anywhere so when they cut it what was pulsating from the placenta sprayed all up the wall our white walls in the garage anyway it's come off it's totally fine but the midwife bless her after all of this and Elwood was safely with us was wiping down the walls to make sure Hendrik didn't see it when he came back in from calling the ambulance um because it literally did look like a murder scene um Anyway, they tried to keep him as close as they possibly could to me, um, and they gave him some rescue breaths, which essentially is a little uh, mask that goes over his face, and then some. It's, there's a bag on the end, and they basically puff the bag. Um, so they gave that to him a few times, what seemed like an age. So there was about four minutes between the delivery of his head and then the delivery of the rest of his body. So quite a shock for him. But what was so reassuring was his heart beat. Um, his heart rate stayed completely relaxed and normal the whole time. It was completely fine. And his APGAR scores were completely fine as well. Um, so the ambulance was cancelled and Hendrik came back in uh, and everything was fine. Now, I'm probably talking through it quite calmly, but I think because Elwood's been quite tricky, um, I haven't had the headspace to actually process what was going on or attach much emotion to what, what happened. I went into the room for the first time the other day and a little bit kind of came flooding back and I just thought, oh yeah, no, that was quite intense. Um, but I still feel like it was a really, really successful, wonderful home birth experience and my midwife asked me would I have another home birth and I very much would it hasn't put me off having another home birth I do remember I'm not saying there wasn't any panic because I did panic and I did go into shock um I couldn't stop shaking uh and that was quite intense because I just I felt absolutely freezing um and it was about 25 degrees in the room it was roasting because we had the radiator on um and it's a very very small room so I, when I came out of the, when he was out and they, you know, I saw the bagging, I just remember looking away and just saying out loud, I think, oh no, 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 I can't believe this is happening. No, please, no, please, no. Because I thought there was really something very wrong. Um, and the midwives were amazing and they kept just saying, no, this is fine. It's very normal. We're all okay. This is fine. Don't worry about it. This is fine. It's okay. You're going to be okay. Baby's okay it's okay, he's fine, because they were constantly monitoring his heart rate, and that was fine. Um, so eventually he came onto my chest, and he was very, very, very bruised and swollen in his head. Um, he was obviously big, <laughs> he was a 10 pound baby, um, but it was all in his length. He was scrawny, 
Um, I mean, you could see his, you know, all his ribs and he has tiny little legs um, in kind of width. But lengthwise, he's 98 percentile for length. So he is just very, very long and 75% for his head. So he's very much in proportion, but just a long baby. And no one expected it. I think the midwives expected an eight pound baby. I was showing big on my growth chart. But again, the view is very much taken that, oh, you know, it's a second baby, it's a boy, it's going to be a little bit bigger, but we're not expecting to be that big. Um, and then uh, what was really amazing was we lay on my chest and then uh, delivered the placenta. So because they had to cut the cord so quickly, my midwife thought it would be best to have the injection to deliver the placenta. So that's what we did. And she wanted, for, for reasons I'm not entirely sure, but she wanted to get the placenta out quite quickly. Um, so I had the injection. That was uncomfortable, actually. And then um, delivered the placenta. And I just remember that happening very quickly. And I remember her pulling the placenta quite a, little, quite a bit, quite a lot of pressure pulling it. Um, but it was such a relief when the placenta was delivered. And it was a big-ass placenta for a big boy. <laughs> um, I didn't lose much blood at all, so I was very um, healthy, very fine. Um, what else can I tell you? So we stayed in the uh, room for a little bit, and then I had a shower in the room again, which was really good. The hardest thing I find about post-birth showers is you are literally dripping blood. So trying to get out of the shower get your pants on to catch the blood without making a horrendous mess, plus making all the towels bloody, oh, I found really difficult. <laughs> so that I found quite challenging. Um, and the fact that I always want to pass out when anything like this happens. So um, yeah, I got dressed and then we went over to the house. Um, and there was another midwife, actually. She was there. So she'd come to take over from uh, the lead midwife, who'd obviously been on all day, and then delivered Elwood, and then she was going to go home. So another midwife was there finishing off all of the notes. And apparently she'd come and she'd walk around the whole of the house and then been like, where is this birth happening? It's not in the house. She didn't realise it was in the garage. <laughs> so she then finally came across and realised that we were in the garage. So that was really funny. Um, and yeah, and then I stayed there, fed a little bit. Um, I needed a bit of help for the first feed. His, he just didn't want to go on. So my midwife helped me, which was amazing. You know what they do, they get their hands right in there. They grab a hold of your boob and squish it and then shove it in the baby's mouth. <laughs> um, and yeah, Elwood was happy feeding. So there you go. That is my birth story. Um, Amandine then woke up the next morning, we had a great night's sleep, uh, he, sl yeah, he woke up a couple times to feed and that was about it, which was wonderful, um, I always feel like that first night they give you a bit of a, a break, <laughs> um, so you can rest and recoup, and Amandine came in and Elwood bought her a giant miffy, so a really, really big light-up bunny, which she loves and is in her bedroom. And he, she bought him just a little cuddly toy. So it was really sweet. Uh, I wasn't holding Elwood, or was I? No, I don't think I was. Maybe I was actually holding Elwood. No, I don't think I was. Um, when she came in, 
and yeah, it was just really, really lovely. I'll go into more in depth about how Amandine's coped with it all in the next series. Um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that I can tell you about his birth. Uh, I didn't rip. That's what I was going to tell you. I had zero damage to my perineum. I had Okay, not zero. I had one tiny little nick, which was smaller than what I had with Amandine. Because with Amandine, I had a couple of stitches. Um, but with Elwood, I had nothing. Now, considering she had to go in and Superman him out, when there's not much room to be going in there as well with a head half out of your vagina, um, I'm amazed. And the midwives are amazed as well. And I have to say, I feel like I've recovered so much faster with Elwood than I did with Amandine. So I count myself incredibly lucky. Yes, we did not have the most straightforward birth and there was a fair bit going on there. But um, recovery-wise, for the birth that I had, has just been a walk in the park. So I feel incredibly, incredibly, incredibly lucky. Um, I'm doing my pelvic floors and trying to remember to do that. But there you go. There is my birth story. Now, on Instagram this week, I am going to take so many questions. Um, so if you have any questions about the birth, ask them. And then in the first episode of the new series, I will answer all of them. Uh, you can literally ask me anything. Nothing is too personal around birth. I will talk about it until the cows come home, literally. So... Please, please ask away if you want to ask anything. I'm sure there's plenty of things that I have just forgotten and taken for granted to talk about. Or not taken for granted, that's not the right word, but you know what I mean. Um, I just haven't talked about. So please do make sure you're following Mum Talk Podcast um, and look out for the question box that I will put in probably towards the end of... Oh no, mid next week. Um, and I will get those answered for you. Thank you so much for listening and I'm so happy to be back sharing our journeys. I have so much to share about the newborn days, about Amandine, how she's kept, how she's managed and coped, how proud we are of her. Um, Elwood's sleep, Elwood's feeding, I have so much to share. So if you're into all of that and you're into listening to all of that, then please tune in when we start series 10 in just a couple weeks might not even be that long actually so keep your eyes peeled all right lots and lots of love thank you so much for listening and i will catch you guys in a few weeks bye thank you so much again to perflow for sponsoring this episode as well as their award-winning baby sleep bags they have a whole range of innovative products designed to help your baby sleep better and more safely Perflow's team are made up of experts who have worked in the baby product industry for over two decades. They bring the latest developments in sleep science, new materials and product design into their collection. Their baby sleep bags won gold at the 2021 Made for Mums Awards and their sleep tight baby bed was described as a game changer and awarded as the best buy from the independent. You can get 10% off of the Perflow range by using code MUMTALK at perflow.com so that you can stock up on all the essentials for a new baby or get ready for summer with the new lightweight baby sleep bag.